I know you got the throbbing temples, the veins in your head are pulsing. You're sweating. You don't know if you're going to be able to survive. You feel like you could drink an entire ocean, although that's not good. Even though it has salt in it, it will make you sick. Sicker than you are. Could kill you. So just do this. Fry up some bacon. Make some eggs. And continue. Brew your coffee. Yes, wash you need down caffeine. a couple of aspirin you while the caffeine. eggs are cooking. Yep. You, got, you can't take aspirin without some food. So do that. And then, of course, continue to listen to Dave and I. He's a conquistador. He's the maestro. This is your Saturday morning hangover cure. Sports Frenzy 2.0, the weekend edition, taping here on September the 6th. Of course, you're listening to it the morning of September the 9th. And as you're listening to this, Dave and I are preparing to go see Smashing Pumpkins, Interpol, and Rival Sons, which we will have a full review of you for next week. Exactly. Primarily looking forward to Rival Sons once again. We can get our Rival Sons t-shirt so we can ditch the Greta Van Fleet shirt we got that had Rival Sons on it. Yes. Yes, of course. That is our main goal in life. To disavow <laughs> Greta Van Fleet. And speak to the power of Rival Sons. But doing our due diligence, your music segment here, segment one, will feature our third and final review of Smashing Pumpkins three act project known as Autumn. Mercifully coming to an end. <laughs> and I think we said this when we reviewed the second act that this would have just been better. I, I know there's some kind of massive thematic tie-in that Billy Corgan sees throughout all these 33 songs. It's lost on me. Well, in this third one, he talks a lot about Zero, which, of course, is, I guess, a character he created, the song Zero, on Melancholy and Infinite Sadness. Sure. That's the only tie-in I've been able to, to come across so far. I think it would have been better off distilled down to 10 or 11 songs. Could have been a very good album. Absolutely. There, there, were, there were about 10 songs that would have made a solid album out of this whole but again, fiasco. But again, we're talking 10 songs out of 33. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so I, we're not going to do track by track. I don't. It's, we're not going to waste your time. We're not going to waste our time. Because, again, we've already done Act 1, Act 2. You've already heard this. It's boring. It's too many keyboards. Yeah, a lot of it, it's the same melodies throughout the songs until you get to something that's actually good. With guitars? With guitars <laughs> that has a different sound. Now, I would say those songs that stood out on Act 3... Uh, in lieu of failure. Yes. How could you not make that song with that title good? That was... That's an awesome song title, In Lieu of Failure. 
Absolutely. That was the first song that grabbed me. That's five songs in, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And there, um, there's not that many more to come. Armageddon was pretty good. Armageddon, I was one of the plus ones on this one. And then maybe Spellbinding? Spellbinding, I thought, was the best one in yeah. this run. Okay. So you and I are copacetic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The rest are like, eh, why? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the opening track for Act 3 is Sojourner, which is almost eight minutes, and it is and boring, <sighs> and it stops, and you think it's half, over. Half, <laughs> halfway through... I did the fast forward to see if it got any better and it didn't. And so I just moved on. <laughs> yeah. Sojourner boring beyond belief, almost eight minutes later on, you get intergalactic, which is nine minutes. What the hell was that? That was the my only, big question. The only mark. good part of it was when they finally halfway through brought the, like the tribal drums in to give it a little bit more. Yeah, You energy. had that little kick in and then it went back to the other crap. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, oh my God. Uh, of Wings? What the? F yeah, you're closing, closing out, out with that? This 33 song epic with, yeah, I agree completely. That is a downer note. Yeah, all I uh, had was a big question mark. Yeah. Seriously? The only <clears> thing <throat> I'll say that maybe as they went through to this third act, they finally realized was, well, if we're not going to use the guitars, at least on a couple of these songs, the drums become a little more prominent to offset the boring keyboards. Yeah, it's... Pacer and Fireflies both have decent oh drum work. But yeah, that's but it. they were That's still... all I can say. Yeah, yeah they were still boring. They're, they're still, still boring. Uh... They're still boring. This is by far the weakest... You think batch this is, of the three. Now two's the best. Two is the best, and that's not saying that's much. not saying that's much. not saying much. So you think this is better than one? one no, was... I thought one was better than this. I thought this was the weakest. Well, okay, I'm thinking this is better than one. It's I don't know. Sorry, I was it's been so long projecting my thoughts. It's been so long. I know. It's I've, been I've a long, it, arduous I've, journey. I've put that out of my mind because most of it's been epically bad. But again, if we could have distilled this down, get, put the ego aside, Billy Corgan. Put the thematic aside. Get your pasty, bald-ass, black-robe-wearing ego away. Ten or eleven songs, you could have distilled this down. It could have been a great album. Maybe not Good. great good but tolerable yeah because i can't this is oh my god i don't it's, even know what to rate I, I, this i can't it's oh my god one one, one frenzy yeah probably i can't be any more generous than that because i'll never ever ever listen to this again i am no Again, I might take one all or two, 33 songs there's a and couple, I might make my own. There's mix. a couple of songs that I do like off of this that I would listen to. But for the whole 33 run, no, done, pff, out, no. never again. Yeah, I might actually rip all 33 songs and try to put together the Sports Frenzy cut. 10 or 11 songs, see if I can make it better. <laughs> see if you can come up with 10 that are worthy. 
Well, I know I'd put Beguiled and Moss, the two strongest from the second well, act, yeah. definitely on there. I'd put In Lieu of Failure. Binding In Lieu of Failure. Maybe Harmageddon. Harmageddon. Yeah, Ten's pushing it. Ten's pushing it. You might be looking at an EP on this. Because I only remember maybe two off the first one. Yeah. Maybe two. Two, three, or maybe three off the second one. Yeah, it's going to be three close. on this. Yeah. Eight. Yeah. So you're probably all sitting out there wondering, then why the hell are you guys going to see Smashing Pumpkins? Because we're hoping. Because we're going back to the day when they were good. Yes. We want to hear Bullet with Butterfly Wings. We want to hear Zero. You know, we want to hear Cherub Rock, the good stuff from the old days. Even December. 1979. And, you know. Hopefully, Billy Corgan's ego will not get in the way, and he will play all those great old songs. And only a maybe beguiled. I'm fine. Right. First single of the entire project. You would hope he would play that. Yeah. Leave the rest of this in the in in the case. Vault it. Seal the vault. Never to be played again. Wow, I think this is one of the most negative things we've had. Well, because if you are going to be that ambitious and you're going to tell us, I've put together this 33-song rock opera, at whatever it is, this yeah. project, it better be damn good. Yeah, and it, it, it was not. It's not, kids. The, there's only two multi-disc or multi-LPs that I have ever listened to that I think were worthy. That's Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. And even they were smart enough to release them separately. Right. But together, I would have taken his double album. It's phenomenal. It's pretty damn good. And then I personally love Bruce Springsteen's The River, which is double album. There you go. Outside of that, maybe I'm missing something, but I couldn't tell you what it is. We're not talking about live albums. We're not talking about greatest hits. Studio albums. Studio albums. All right, we've got one new song this week. Dirty Honey, title track from their upcoming album, Can't Find the Breaks. I can't find my feelings for this band. They <laughs> I don't I don't know how I feel <clears throat> about Dirty Honey. I really don't. We saw them live, they were really good live. This song frustrates me because I feel like every time I listen to it, it feels like it needs to jack up into another level. It this, needs to shift gears. I think and this it doesn't is, ever do it. This is one of those bands that I think do not come across on the recordings, but they excel live. Better live band than studio yes. band. Yeah. They're not a studio band. This is a live band, like the Struts, where you're going to have the energy, the amp up with the live show that doesn't come across in the studio. Yeah, because I didn't get it with this one. Uh, can't find the breaks. Didn't it? It had convey the energy. I expected. it had the bones to be a really solid song. It was there. You you just waiting for that little bit of something that 
they do not have a producer that can bring that out in the studio. That's a good point. Yeah. Somebody who could have got them to that extra level, that next gear. Yeah. So I can only give it two frenzies. I just didn't think it was that good. Yeah. That's where it's I'm not at. Terrible. It, it, like you said, maybe it's got the it's, structure, it's, the bones that it's it needs. There, but... it was not produced correctly. I could see this being a killer song in concert. Speaking of the struts, by the way, as an aside, a, a prelude for later on, their uh, song, Too Good at Raising Hell, was the theme song for last weekend's WWE Payback. Oh, was it yes. now? Yes, it was. <laughs> So they played it about four or five times during the the premium yeah. live event. And like like I said when we reviewed it, it was so much better live, which is where I think this can't find the breaks would be much better live. Yeah. They pick one song for all of these WWE premium live events now that they, they push all the way. And through. so this month was the struts. There you go. All right, so we're going to do something different, kids. Um, this we had is, so many. This is historic and epic with moments of silence in the music world. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and instead of waiting till the third segment, we're going to discuss the music legends that left us. Now, maybe legends in some instances a little too strong of a word, but not at all. Because definitely we start off with a man who should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, who is not. He is in the Songwriters Hall of Fame, dealing with a rare form of skin cancer for the last four years. Fortunate enough, we were to see him, yes. as I speak like Yoda, um, a couple years ago. Yeah, and it was the fourth time was the charm for us to finally get to see Mr. Jimmy Buffett. Our first anniversary, we had tickets. We got hosed out of those. Next year, Buddy wasn't able to get tickets. We got screwed out again a couple years later. Finally, we got to see him. And it's good that and you did. And I'm glad we did. We were looking forward to another round, which unfortunately we are not able to do. Unfortunately, Mr. Buffett has passed. And by all indications, um, he passed, of course, family and friends by his side. <clears throat> basically had nothing but good things to say as he left this world into hopefully a better Better yep. place. He he made beach bum life a reality for so many people. And was one of the most successful musicians of all time. Entrepreneur. Yeah, net worth projected at $1 billion. Because, again, smart business guy. This yeah. is why he, he was friends with Sammy Hagar, another guy, like-minded guy who knew how to take his brand and yep. expand it and make it work and he make had money off of it. Those ideas got the backing for it. They took off, sold that, moved on to the next, sold, and just kept right on rolling. Yeah. And again, you guys know my 
my issues with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but the fact that he's not in, but some of, these other, some of these other idiots are in boggles my mind. Yeah. Boggles my mind. It's amazing. Along with, again, Sticks, Aria Speedwagon, Foreigner, Boston, the list goes on and on. Jan Wenner and his cronies can Our kiss my ass. Dipshits beyond doubt. Yes. It boggles the mind. Yes. And if we could ever open the Sports Frenzy Music Hall of Fame, I guarantee Mr. Jimmy Buffett is in it. Absolutely. It'll be he'll be right there. We'll be immortalizing him right next to Huggy Bear's bowling ball. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's an inside joke, kids. Now, two of the biggest songs of the seventies were Dreamweaver and Love Is Alive, and those songs were done by Mr. Gary Wright. Yep. Also just recently passed. Ugh. I know Dreamweaver had its rebound again with Wayne's World. Yep. Yep. And Dreamweaver, I would dare say, was one of the more popular songs of the 70s. Oh, absolutely. That bass line to it, it, would, it had a, kind of a haunting melody. How could you not enjoy it? Yeah. Anybody who grew up in that era like we did. Now, we also know Love is Alive. That was kind of the follow-up hit. But, yeah, Dreamweaver is a legendary song, and uh, we will miss Gary Wright. Yep. Uh, should we go? One of the founding members... Well, I need to apologize, and you know how rare it is when I apologize. I will apologize for the fact that a couple months ago, I made fun of South Bend. I made fun of South Bend, where we live, because I said, we can't even get Smash Mouth to play a show in this city. That's how pathetic we are. Yeah. But I did not know what was going on behind the scenes. Yeah, we didn't know that their lead singer, Steve Harwell, was battling <sighs> symptoms and the disease from alcoholism with his liver failing and all the subsequent issues. Yeah. And he has succumbed to those issues. At 56 years old. At 56 years old. Um, initially I saw he went into hospice, but yeah. soon after, yeah. I mean, not even just 12 hours later, yeah. the news came down that heartbreaking he for the family for well, knowing what alcoholism does. And yeah, it, it, it's heartbreaking. I've been there. I've done that. It's yeah. not pleasant. Yeah. Dave and I have, have both seen the effects firsthand of what alcohol can do. And how it can kill people. Um, so thoughts and prayers to the Harwell family and friends. Yeah, and again, I did not mean to. Well, yeah, I did. South Bend still sucks. It is. But in this case, obviously, extenuating We now know why we couldn't get Smash Mouth. Yes. 
Now, one of the prominent members of Dire Straits during their heyday, which would be the Brothers in Arms era, when they were one of the biggest the things. MTV of, run. Yes, with Money for Nothing and Walk of Life. Um, not, I'm a big Dire Straits fan, so to me, you're talking Mark Knopfler, you're talking Pick Withers, you're talking John Ilsley. Um, you don't usually think of Jack Sonny no. as one of those members iconic, important members of Dire Straits, but he was during, again, their most important commercial success. He's featured in the videos. Yep. So, he, he was the backing guitar to Mark Knopfler's. Yep. So our thoughts and prayers to the Dire Straits family and, of course, the family of Jack Sonny. <sighs> Rough week in music. I don't think... It's, I don't think it's, it's going to let up because it's we're not, still... We are... Everybody that we've grown up listening to, the dominoes are going to start to fall. Yeah. Yeah, not even that, but I actually... When we get to our movie segment, um, I'll discuss an actor who I didn't realize was actually still alive. Oh, my. Again, somebody iconic from us growing up and seeing him in so many movies... He's still kicking. Yeah, but it's not going to be for long. not for much longer. So next week, in addition to our review of Smashing Pumpkins and Rival Sons and Interpol live, we will have uh, the new Rolling Stones song. Yes, the Rolling Stones have a new album coming out. And now, no, it's not Walker in a Wheelchair. (laughs) It is... Hackney Diamonds is the name of the new album. It will be out October the 20th. Their first album of new music in, I believe, 18 years. The first single is Angry. So we will review that for you next week. A couple new songs from Brian Adams. Yep. You're awesome. That tells me right there we're in trouble. Yeah, and then sometimes you win before you lose. That could go either way. That could go either way. It's got potential. And then something new, The Bites, their song, Heather Leather. Because we got to find some new stuff, kids. Things are going to slow down here in the fall months. We might get some stuff. We're we're going to be scraping. We're going to be scraping, kids. Yep. Because this is going to be the slow time of the year for new music. So hopefully we get some announcements soon outside of the Stones. But if not, we'll find stuff. Plus or minus, we'll get you through. It's what we do. Yep. So again, thoughts and prayers to all of our fallen rock soldiers this week. But uh, we have to move on. So we have a lot to discuss in the next two segments. We have a bunch of movie reviews, a bunch of book reviews. We've got to wrap up season five of What We Do in the Shadows. Your update on Tacoma FD. And a couple dumbasses, so we'll make it work for you, kids. But you do not want to miss what we've got coming up. Story times. Looking back at some old movies, review of a new movie, review of a book from arguably the greatest writer in America or the world today. Yep. And another book review from a powerhouse duo. 
So all that and more coming up. Quick promo break, and Dave and I will be right back. When your day of dealing with international intrigue is over and you've settled down in your Aston Martin, call up Sports Frenzy 2.0 on your phone or smart car stereo. Every Thursday, Kevin Dave will take your mind off the megalomaniac who just had a laser pointed at your genitals with the best sports criticism around. And don't forget to listen to the weekend edition every Saturday so you can plan out your entertainment options with the femme fatale of your choice. Grab a martini, shaken, not stirred, and check out Frenzy. Sports Frenzy 2.0. All right, kids, your hangover's abating. All is good as you come up here on segment two on Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Apple, Overcast, Castbox, Amazon, Audible, and iHeart Sports Frenzy, baby. (laughs) Otherwise known as iHeart Radio. We had to do something since Stitcher has left us. Yep, so we're going back, back to our roots when we used to do our old intros on cable access with the SNL where we ended our skits with Sports Frenzy, baby. Just like they would say, live from New York, it's Saturday night. Yep, so now we I heart Sports Frenzy. It's all good. So here we are recording September 6, 2023. You're hearing us Saturday morning, the 9th. Now it's movie time. He's the maestro, Kevin Crane. And he's a conquistador, Dave Height. Should we should we do let you do the new one and then we'll go story time mode? Sure. All right. My new review was in the theaters a couple months ago. Now, this was a movie that kind of got, I feel like, stuck. They couldn't get the financial backing they needed, so they ended up going with a distribution company called Ketchup Entertainment. Dope! Heinz Hunts, generic. Well, the movie's not generic in the sense of who directed it, who stars in it, so it's on Peacock now. Uh, It is Hypnotic, starring Ben Affleck, Ah. Directed by Robert Rodriguez. Wow. How Uh, did this get stuck in the middle? Again, I don't think they had a big-time company financing, a big-time company distributing, so it, it got caught between the cracks because it's got a lot of great secondary actors and actresses in it as well. So the premise is Ben Affleck, plays a police detective trying to track down the man who kidnapped his daughter. But is that really what the story is about? Hmm. Or is there something else going on? Are we dealing with something like Inception? Are we dealing something like Firestarter? Gone Girl? Yes, so Hypnotic tries to be the classic mindfuck. Does not pull it off all that well. It's not terrible. Not terrible. 
it's only an hour and a half. I did not regret watching it. It's it's not a waste of time, especially again with the actors involved. Already mentioned, directed by Robert Rodriguez. In addition to Ben Affleck, also stars Jeff Fahey, who I love in everything he's in. Jackie Earl Haley has a brief role in it. Really? And then, of course, the quote-unquote bad guy is played by William Fickner, who is another great character actor. So the cast is impressive. But again, it just seems like it is a rehash of... Again, Firestarter mixed with Inception, trying to play mind games with you and tell you that what you're seeing isn't really reality. Uh, so it doesn't it doesn't necessarily pull off what it sets out to do. It feels like one of those Ben Affleck movies from what twenty years ago when he was cashing in on his fame and doing stuff <clears throat> like Payback and Reindeer Games. Ah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I I can give it a week. I'll give it a week, two frenzies. There you go. Um, but again, not a complete waste of time. But if you can find something better, which you may or may not be able to do, yep. go for it. All right. Funny you should mention Jeff Fahey. It's a nice segue for my story time. So... Last night, as we tapered, this would have been Tuesday the 5th. Boys and I are thinking, all right, what are we going to watch tonight? They suggested, ah, let's go with Old Reliable. Support your local sheriff. I'm like, I got something better for you. Let's expand your horizons on the Western Front. Connor decided to bail, my oldest. And so Nick's like, all right, what do you have? I'm like, you're going to like this one. Silverado. There you go. Awesome cast. Of course, Jeff Fahey's in it. You've got Scott Glenn, Kevin Klein, Danny Glover. Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. Young Kevin Costner. You got Brian Dennehy, John Cleese, Rosanna Arquette. I mean, it's just a phenomenal cast. Uh, yeah unbelievable catch jeff goldblum yeah silverado is one of the best westerns ever made yeah and don't let anybody tell you otherwise oh it's fantastic it's 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 your class it's got revenge it's got your underdog story family You've your got the your serious, town taken over by the bad guys. It's you got your serious element, your comic relief. Yeah, it, it's just a solid all around great western that did not disappoint in viewing again. Nick absolutely loved it. Told Connor, "You have to watch this one." So absolutely brilliant you cannot go wrong this is a solid three and a half frenzy movie yeah i would dare say that that silverado was part of that last great era of westerns when they were actually still making westerns yeah which of course they won't do anymore because they're going to claim that there's all sorts of racism and misogyny come on 
get over it. Because of the few Westerns that I've seen over the last, God, dare I say decade, have been toothless, boring, beyond yeah, belief. Yeah, they've been very milquetoast. I think maybe the last great one we saw was based on the Robert B. Parker with yep. uh, Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. So, uh, to, uh, what was, oh, God. How am I? Uh, how am bad, I zoning bad, on bad, this? Bad, 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 bad. Yeah, Rob, Ed Harris, yeah, Ed Mortensen. Harris, they were playing Hitch and Hitch and Colin Hitch, the Robert Appaloosa. B. Parker Appaloosa. Appaloosa. And you and I went to see that in the theater for yeah. God's sakes. And that was epically. But that was how long ago? Too damn long. Yeah. Didn't so, do well at the box office, but still a shame because it was fan freaking test. That was. The last great cinematic Western I remember seeing. Yeah. And I wish they would do the other books in the series. And again, because cable and streaming have taken over, you don't get TV movies anymore. Otherwise, it would have been perfect for a TV yeah. movie series. This, these, these books could be your next Netflix Prime six-episode run they they could be if netflix if they're done would go correctly there. but netflix is so international based right now in terms then of, let prime do it i'm just saying it, it's a very very tight creative window for a lot of these works yeah but i'm just thinking back to the day another robert b parker project jesse stone was the last series that flourished TV. on regular TV. Yeah. With, with Tom, with Tom Selleck. Selleck playing Jesse Stone in, what, seven or eight yeah. TV movies? Yeah. But no, Silverado should be on your must list, must own list. So good. Absolutely concur. Absolutely concur. And introducing a new generation that enjoyed it as much as I did, warmed my heart. Yeah, and it's just sad to think that the, the current generation, for the most part, have just shunned Westerns. Again, the, the emasculation of the current generation of young men boggles my mind. Yeah. They're not supposed to like sports. They're not supposed to like Westerns. They're not supposed to like action movies. Oh no, honey! Whatever you want to do. Go see. Let's go see Barbie again for the fifteenth time. Grow a pair. Expendables Force coming out. Damn straight. That's going to be a sports frenzy, guys. Movie night out. Couple weeks away. All right. Now mine's not a story time because, as the rules dictate, if I've never seen the movie before. I don't have to have a story. That's right. In order to justify watching it. So even though this is an old movie from 1975, I had never watched this before. But as I scraped and I clawed and I tried to find a reason to keep Max for one more month, really it was more that the deadline had already passed. So <laughs> trying to get my last month's worth out of Max before I cancel that miserable subscription service. When are we getting frickin' Doom Patrol, damn it? Oh, and by the way, one of the other reasons I was keeping it, season four of True Detective 
Night Country, starring Jodie Foster, has now been pushed to January oh, 2020. So again, you've lost me, Max. This is probably the last movie I will watch on your service. Now this goes again back to 1975. Anytime you start a description of a movie off with great actor or actress stars as a detective, I'm in. I'm in. Right there. You got me. I'm in. Now, keep in mind, kids, this is the mid-70s. Gene Hackman stars Boom. as a detective. Automatically in. Yes. Interesting premise. Gene Hackman hired out on the West Coast by a fading, aging starlet to track down, find her daughter, who has run off with her stepfather, bum, bum, bum. down in the Florida Keys. So Gene Hackman's Mosby, the detective, jumping back and forth between the West Coast culture and the Deep South culture of the Keys, the more laid back as he tries to convince this young girl to come back with him. The, the movie's a little creepy. I will tell you this. Oh, it's disturbing. The movie's belief. creepy because you've got a young Melanie Griffith playing the girl who Gene Hackman is in charge of bringing back to her mother. And they are just dying to show you this girl undressed. Now, I don't know how old Melanie Griffith was in 1975, but it just comes off as really skeezy. Really, because they do show her naked. Yeah. And in the movie, she's 16. Yeah. So that's, you, the, that's the creepy 70s kids. Yeah. And so there's a lot of that type of stuff going on. A lot of cheating, a lot of sexual escapades. Part of the reason why Hackman takes this case is because he finds out right away at the beginning of the movie, his wife's cheating on him, so he needs to get away from her for a while, so he proceeds to go down to the Everglades. He's got the naked Melanie Griffith. Meanwhile, he's also being seduced by another woman. The plot doesn't really hold up all that 70 well. 75. 75. She was 18. Okay. I figured she had to be 18. She was 18. Even though in the story, they're saying she's 16. Yeah. Nope. She was born in 57. Yeah. Because otherwise, yeah, you're talking about possibly violating yeah. so many labor laws, child labor. Statutory yeah. issues. But the, the plot itself doesn't hold up. When we finally figure out what's going on, why people are killing each other and Mosby stuck in the middle. It doesn't really hold together. Now, I will say this about the movie. It's, it's got a nice atmosphere to it. And Gene Hackman, as always, is phenomenal. Um, again, sometimes I get drawn to his hairline because <laughs> <laughs> we all know he went bald very early in his life. So I think he was wearing a rug here. But I'm not going to say 100%. 75 could have gone either way. It's borderline. But he was a great, great actor. He was actually the one I was alluding to earlier where I thought he had passed away. He's in his 90s. Yes. And he is still alive and kicking. 
along, he's another along with Clint Eastwood. He's another one that's going to be gone, unfortunately, <sighs> sooner rather than later. Yeah. And, of course, he won an Academy Award for playing the corrupt sheriff in Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood. Yes. As well as portraying Papa, Papa Doyle, Doyle in, in the, the French, French Connection. And French Connections, too. Yep. And French Connection 2 actually came out the same year as Night Moves. Yep. Um, so I really wanted to like this. You've also got a younger James Woods in this. But there's just not enough plot. It's more about character studies than anything else. It's just not enough to drive it. Um, again, not an overlong movie, so you are not you don't feel like you're wasting all your time. But just like Hypnotic, I can only give it a two- frenzy rating yeah outside of gene hackman I, there's not really much unless you're a lech and a pervo and you want to see a bunch of naked younger women then this is your movie and that's what you got in the mid-70s exactly exactly so night moves not one of gene hackman's best efforts in terms of overall his performance again very good but he's good in whatever he does should we move on to literature? We shall, shan't we? Book that Dave and I have been wanting to review for <clears throat> quite a while now. The latest from my favorite author, James Lee Burke. The greatest author of our time. And while we complain and we bitch and we moan because he doesn't do his... Dave Robichaux series as often as we would like anymore. Where we have to suffer through the Holland family from time to more often than not. Now we get an, uh, the second great book that he has written about the Civil War. Years ago, he wrote White Doves at Morning, which was just... Absolutely freaking phenomenal. One of the greatest books I've ever read. And... The interesting thing about his latest book, Flags on the Bayou, is that if you read the author's note afterwards, the first yep. thing he says is, I feel like this is the best book I've ever written. And I would dare say it, it's, it's close. It's pretty damn close. Now, this... he keeps things a little bit tighter than he normally would. Usually... Yeah. He's 350, 400, even 450 pages. Yeah. He keeps this right around 300. Yeah. This is a quick read for anybody but me. Yeah. I, I took, I, I gave you what, a month, month and a half head start? I cheated though. I had another book going too. Well, so there you go. I've already, I'm already halfway through another book right now. So it's all right. I finished it last week and I've read another one since. Yep. But, but, Oh my God! Flags on the bayou. This this was this was a solid story told in a unique fashion. Each chapter bounced between what was that? Five main characters and their perspective on everything that was happening. Yes, and it was tying not, it all together. That did not make it. It was, hard to it was read. not it awkward not, at all. It did not fracture the storyline. It flowed very smoothly, despite the fact that you were shifting your point of view yeah. between characters like Wade Lufkin and Pierre Cachon, Darla, um, Hannah, and of course and the, the, the Colonel, the crazy Colonel Carlton Hayes. 
I mean, where where one chapter ended and the other's perspective picked up really enhanced everything that was going on. And you got the better perspective of the entire story, the feel of what was going on at that time. Yeah. So again, it seems like the Civil War works for James Lee Burke. Yeah, it it does. For whatever connection he has, and of course, taking place in Louisiana and the area where he originally started before moving up to Montana. The Bayou Tesh, of course, New New Iberia, Iberia, New Orleans, that whole swamp area. Just he he and of course his the way he describes everything, the man is a true genius and wordsmith. Yes, he doesn't go too far like somebody like Stephen King has want to do. Yeah, where it takes, takes three pages to set something up within a page and a half, Burke has it beautifully done yep um again i would say that this is top four top five all time for him yeah very hard i can't put it as his best but it's it's right up there yeah because i'm always gonna defer to black cherry blues white doves at morning is my two favorites yeah um and of course i always I'm preferential to Dixie City Jam as the first book that roped me in for him. Um, the Rubbish Show books, of course, since they are detective novels, are a little bit more in my milieu, but I can't deny the fact that these two Civil War books he has put out are just... Absolutely brilliant. Yes, and I don't know what else we can say. Uh, Flags on the Bayou is... Again, not a, a. It's not a slow read. It's a quick read. It, barely it three hundred pages. Quick. The pacing on it is awesome. Uh, he brings in a little bit of the supernatural as he's been doing lately. As he gets older in life, maybe looking more towards <laughs> the hope that there is a an afterlife. You know, you there's always been that hint through the Robichaux stories. But they've definitely come out more and more of late. Right. So I, I've got to give it the strongest three and a half frenzies I can possibly give it. I I just it's, can't give it four. It's not quite to the four like White Doves. Little little bit of repetitiveness in some of his descriptions. Yeah. Um, but other than that, that's a very small, minor criticism of an otherwise brilliant book which will probably easily end up being my favorite book of the year yeah yeah it's 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 right up there i we would be hard pressed to find something better coming out this year yeah and again he gives the point of view in these chapters you'll note to eventually the people that end up being the the more decent people in the story yeah the evil people like john endicott you never hear their you point of view. You never hear their point of view. No. You wonder, all right, who is this person? Where's where are they going with it? And at times they're 
all you question their morality. Yes, absolutely. That's what makes them look great. You also find the humanity. There's enough of all of them to like to root for. They're all flawed. Everyone's that's what flawed. I like. That's humanity. Every, and that's the brilliance of Burke is everybody has flaws. Nobody is perfect. And it's what you do personally to overcome your flaws. Right. Right. I would dare say maybe the only person, the only character, because she's treated as more of a religious icon is Hannah Lavelle. Right. But everybody else, I was rooting for Pierre Cachon, but he's flawed. Wade Lufkin, definitely flawed, flawed, even though when he's introduced, he seems <clears> like the most virtuous, the... Right. nicest man on the face of the earth. And Pierre wound up being my favorite character. Yeah, Pierre's the best. But you have to struggle through some of his eccentricities <laughs> yeah. and flaws. But he's you, a weak man like everybody else, like yeah. all the rest of us. Yeah, but he wound up being my favorite character of them all. Yep. So definitely, definitely recommend Flags on the Bayou. High praise for that one. All right. Now I have another one. Dead Mountain from Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child. The fourth Nora Kelly novel. So... They're typically known for agent FBI agent Pendergast started off with Relic going all the way through. Of course, Nora Kelly was involved in the early Relic, and she's been in a few of their other novels with Pendergast. But starting off with Old Bones, Scorpion's Tale, and Diablo Mesa, they have focused on her now with Dead Mountain, along with Corey Swanson, who they introduced in a Pendergast novel way back in the day, Still Life with Crows, when she was just a young girl, and he rescued her from horrible situation out in Kansas. So she is now on her own and through all the books has worked with Nora Kelly on these cases. So Dead Mountain finds... Corey involved in an investigation, two guys stranded in a snowstorm, find a cave, shelter down there high as a kite, and discover two bodies. Turns out to be Native Americans from the area. They investigate. Lo and behold, they find two other bodies deeper in this cave who are identified as part of a missing party from 15 years prior. Nine hikers went out, never to be seen again. This is based on a real-life mystery that happened in Russia, where nine hikers went out into Siberia. They were, tent was found trashed. They escaped through the back couple of them were found burned up near stages of undress. Nobody had their full winter gear on because they escaped so quickly. They built a fire to keep warm. A couple of them were found dead there of exposure, half burned, more miles apart. Didn't know what happened. 
Douglas Preston, of course, writes nonfiction. He was investigating this, found what really happened, had movie rights set to go, and the day they were supposed to sign off, Russia invaded the Ukraine, and the production company bailed. So yeah. they used the research to come up with Dead Mountain taking place in the American Southwest. Very interesting the way they pulled it all together. Not going to give a lot away on this one. I will give this one a solid three. If you like the way Preston and Child write, this goes right along with it. Still good stuff. Yeah, and I, I know I, I fell off on them years ago um, after I read the first probably six or seven Pendergast novels. But I, it wasn't because I didn't enjoy them. I will admit the books were overly long for me. They can get a little wordy here and there. Right. But th this one flowed very well. <clears throat> so between yeah. Nora Kelly being brought in by Corey to un uncover the bones and making sure everything was legit, and then, oh, wait, we've got this 15-year-old mystery we found bodies seven and eight of the nine missing and trying to go over all the other areas and excavating and finding new evidence years later. Yeah. And throughout this, this segment, if you guys haven't figured it out by now, we're purposefully vague. We don't want to do spoilers. We don't want to tell you guys the meat and the bones of the plots, whether it's movies, whether it's the books, because that's up for you to discover. You got to take our word for it. When we, we say something you... is great or we say stay away from something, we're trying to save your time or trying to tell you, you discover this on your own. We discovered it. We love it. You should go through the same experience. Give did. it a chance. Enjoy it. Discover the hidden mysteries on your own. And so that being said, as we move on to segment three, there are no hidden mysteries about the vampires in what nope. we do in the shadows or Tacoma FD for that matter. And of course, those two shows will feature prominently in our final segment as we do our TV and streaming. And of course, I will discuss WWE payback. So. All that and more coming in our final segment here on the Weekend Edition. Your Uncle Dave and I will be right back. Hello, I'm James Cameron, prestigious film director. And since it takes me over a decade to make a movie, I've got plenty of time between takes to listen to my favorite podcast, Sports Frenzy 2.0. On Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Apple, Overcast, CastBox, Stitcher, Amazon, and Audible. Hey, wait, I'm having an epiphany. I have a new idea. Summer of 2035. Blue robots from the future on a doomed ocean liner. Oh, brilliant. Where's Arnold? Get me Schwarzenegger. What about DiCaprio? Oh, what about Edward Furlong? We know he's not doing anything. 
All right, third and final segment here on the weekend edition. You should be in a better place. We've gotten you through music. We've gotten you through movies and books. And now it's time for TV and streaming. As we have to wrap up, regrettably, <clears throat> another season has gone by like that of what we do in the shadows. Dare I say their best season yet? Close, close. I think I will I will be negative Nancy and say these final two episodes, episodes nine and ten that just aired last week that wrapped up season five, let me down a little bit. Let me down a little bit. Just a little. Because some of the earlier episodes were indeed fantastic. But number one, enough with the guest the blatant guest the star guest spots. Stars, yeah. We had Slatterty, Slatterty earlier on, and now we get Patton Oswalt in a blatant... Blatant. Unfunny, un- stupid cameo. It was really pointless. Yeah. He didn't need to be there. No. So, outside of that, we finally get a resolution to the whole Guillermo turning into a vampire situation. Um, Reckons, resolved well. Resolved well. Resolved well. So now we can move on to season six, and everything A there is taken care of. Yes. So I'll be interested to see how they interact with Guillermo going forward, because yeah. th- this was the season where he kind of came as part of the vampire family. He really got accepted by everybody. Yeah. He, he said they were his family. They treated him for the most part, maybe not Nadja, maybe not Colin, even them to their extent. Nadja stepped up. Yeah. It's they they, they at both certain points during the season. They they both did. Laszlo obviously uh, cares. Laszlo cares. Laszlo cares about him. And and Nandor does care about him yeah. too, despite the the friction. The friction that's, that's there, there. The main dynamic of this season driving the plot forward, of course. Yeah. The Guillermo may have been turned into a vampire, not by Nandor. But the season as a whole, as you mentioned, very, very good. Very I don't know if solid. I'm going to go as far as to say the best season ever, but close. Very, very, very close. Some of the episodes by far they up had, there is the best ever. Yeah. At least two. Two were absolutely fantastic. You had one that was a complete and utter bomb. And yep. two others that were kind of middling. Yep. I'll still give it. I'll still give it three and a half. Oh, absolutely! Because the by highs, far one of the best shows you could watch. Three and out a half there. frenzies. Yeah, the highs definitely outweigh and outlast the lows. So, and again, in yeah. this day and age of crappy TV and political content, correctness, yes, the vampires are still the best out there. They are awesome. Now, just boils down to how long are we going to have to wait for season six through all the strikes and bullshit. Yeah. 
So that shifts us over to another brilliant comedy. Of course, it's going to be politically incorrect and awesome. And that would be Tacoma FD in the middle of season four. Past week was episode seven. And if you can't tell, (laughs) you can't tell by the title of the episode. Big Trouble in Little Belgium. (laughs) Oh, goodness me. Oh, my. Ike's got a tattoo. Ike's got a story to tell about a certain gang (laughs) because Lucy. The 42nd Street Boys. Lucy inadvertently flashed a gang symbol thinking she's representing station 24 and mass chaos of course ensues and Ike goes through all the rules and everything how you do not offend this gang as they end up coming to the station house And, of course, everybody does everything they possibly can to offend. Oh, of course, because that's what Station 24 does. And, of course, we've got this whole thing with the bagpipes and the bubazelas. God. You're playing the Belgian National Anthem. No, we're not. No, No, we're we're not. not. We're playing You Are My Sunshine. What are you talking about? Pickle dick. Everything, everything with mayonnaise. <laughs> Not that mayonnaise! <laughs> Degenerates. Put mayonnaise on waffles. Ugh. No. Yeah, little much to take there. Yeah. But, again... This season it, continues to roll. This season has been very good as well. Yeah. Both, both What We Do in the Shadows and Tacoma FD have had very... Very good season. So, not a disappointment in the least. Do not want it to end. I do not want it to end, but of we're, course we're it will about at some halfway point. Halfway through. Yeah, Tacoma. usually Tacoma goes a little bit more. Yeah, they usually go about 12. Yeah. So, so we just, yeah. So, hopefully, <clears throat> don't double up. Don't be scared of Thursday night football. Just we keep will still rolling. watch. We'll watch on the DVR, rolling. But we'll still watch. We love our True TV Tacoma FD. And what else is True TV got other than Impractical Jokers? No, oh, that sucks. I watched five minutes once. <laughs> once. <laughs> All right. Other TV and streaming news before we get to wrestling. 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 A show that I do plan on catching up on and watching has been renewed for season three on Paramount Plus. That would be Jeremy Renner in Mayor of Kingstown. Definitely got to catch up on that. Want to watch that? Yeah. I already talked about True Detective, of course. The delay on Max. Kiss my ass. I'm done with you. I am not going to let you take any more of my money for your reality TV crap that you pretend to act like is a premium streaming network. Yep. And I will not be watching American Horror Story this season with Kim frickin' Kardashian. The whole thing with the spiders, too. Yeah, just, what the, no. I'm sure that freaks out Mrs. C with the spiders. Yeah. So, I've never been into the show outside of the... The one that was set in the 80s. 
Yeah, there have been a couple of them that have been good. Freak Show was decent. The whole witches thing wasn't bad. Coven? Yeah. Coven was decent. No, I just like the one that harkened back to the whole Friday the 13th yeah. slasher camp. That was homage. probably the best one outside of Freak Show. Yeah, I had to watch that one. But otherwise, it does, eh. does nothing. I, I knew the show Asylum was... Asylum was... Eh. I knew the show was trouble from the first season with Leatherman. Yeah, that was just... No, we never even bothered finishing. We got through two episodes and we're done. Nope. Yeah. And then we gave the next season a try. It was okay. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's not it's hit and miss. All right, before we get to my recap of WWE Payback, we have news from AEW. Big big news. Big, big news. News. They had their massive pay-per-view event recently overseas, claiming a record crowd in London, I believe, at Wembley Stadium. Yep. And then controversy reigned backstage. CM Punk cannot stay out of trouble. CM Punk has now been fired by AEW for an altercation primarily involving... Jack Perry, of course, son of Luke Perry, formerly known as Jungle Boy Jack Perry. But when your owner comes out, the owner of AEW, Shad Khan's kid, comes out and says, I was in fear for my life. You don't want to put that on your resume no. if you're a wrestler. No, you do not. I got fired because... The previous owner was in fear of his life because of my actions. Because I lived up to my character's last name. I was a freaking punk. Well, and of course, he has had trouble with WWE. Yep. He has had substance abuse issues. Can we say roid rage? But he's not even that He's not big. even that big, but he's got anger issues. He does have issues. And I don't know now if he's got a shot at getting back again. I Anywhere don't know. with any of them. Because his resume now has got so many black marks on it. It's persona non grata on the wrestling circuit. Yeah, because this is not like WCW and WWE used to be where it was the, the Monday Night Wars. AEW and WWE kind of coexist nicely because they stay away for the most part right. from each other's territory. Yeah. AEW does Wednesday nights, late Friday nights, and Saturday nights. And, of course, WWE does Monday nights and Friday nights, along with Tuesday nights with NXT. Yeah. So they've got like a truce in terms right. of you don't invade our territory, we won't invade yours. So basically, these two companies, I can't see them ever looking at CM Punk as a viable option again. No, he's burned too many bridges with everybody. Yep. So that brings us to last Saturday's WWE Payback. Where, of course, the big news was the Judgment Day winning the tag team titles. And now all four members of the Judgment Day have gold around their waist. They are indeed 
running Monday Night Raw, if not the entire WWE, because Rhea Ripley kept her women's championship. And by the way, if you take off that makeup and all the piercings, that woman is a hot box of rocks. I'm telling you. She'd kick my ass, but she is a hot box of rocks. Then, of course, Dominic Mysterio somehow has the NXT North American title, despite the fact that he's a little punk-ass version of his father. But Ray Mysterio Jr.? <laughs> yes. Yes, of course. They once held the tag team titles right. when Dominic was a babyface. Yeah. But now he's a heel with the Judgment Day. But, of course, the other two members now have the tag, the tag team, team titles, Damian Priest and Finn Balor. And Damian Priest still holds the Money in the Bank briefcase, so he can still challenge up until next year for any title he wants, whenever he wants, despite the fact he is now a tag team title champion. Because why not be a tag team champion and the world champion. Nothing wrong with being two belts. Nothing I, at all. I remember Becky Lynch once called herself Becky Two Belts. Nothing wrong with that at all. No rules saying you can't. That's right. More power to you if you can pull it off. Yep. And the other the other note I want to make on this is John Cena somehow surprisingly reappeared and supposedly has a multi- month deal well yeah he's got to do something to get him through the actor's strike I was just gonna waiting say, for freaking peacemaker to start filming again isn't it funny that now all of a sudden john cena signs a deal for the next few months to be on wwe regularly oh how it so Convenient. conveniently coincides with the actor strike exactly my thoughts yeah, when are we getting Peacemaker Season 2, 2047? Maybe. What was it? I think the earliest I read was like 2026. Which is just pathetic. Freaking stupid. Pathetic. Gun, you're an idiot. As brilliant as you can be with doing the superhero movies, your timelines are so effed up and stupid, it's pathetic. All right, on that, we move along. Even though we covered <coughs> most of our moments of silence in the music segment, I do have one other one. Now, Dave and I have talked about in the past our affinity for soap operas during the day and prime time back when we were younger. Most college students indulged. Of course we did. So I have to send out thoughts and prayers to Gail Honeycutt, who I believe over the last three seasons of Dallas played the mother of J.R. Ewing's illegitimate son. Yeah, because <laughs> why would you not be known for that? Weren't half the actresses on Dallas the mother of J.R. Ewing's yeah, illegitimate son. Yeah, I think son. pretty much that, that sounds about right. But thoughts and prayers to the family and friends of Gail Honeycutt. Yep. And then kind of a shout out to someone who had ties to SNL. Fran Lee was the designer of the Coneheads. 
And she also won Tony Awards for her work on Candide and Sweeney Todd. So thoughts and prayers to her family and friends. Do you think her her tombstone has this that cone head cone. shade? Did she have a pair of cones? David! David! What? <laughs> they had the cones from sitting on the mantle. Uh, Where's your mind going? That's not fair to turn that around on me. Degenerate. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Couple of dumb asses, and we will wrap things up and let you proceed to start getting all liquored up for Saturday. You know, you had time to recover for you Friday. Know, it's Saturday. We got you through the morning. Now you can watch some college football before you go out and do it all over again. But before we do, we have to point out, of course, a couple of the idiots in the world of entertainment. So let's start off with one Janelle Monet. Now, I have never understood the appeal of this woman. I know she's a recording artist. I know she's an actress. Every time I see her in a promo shot or an ad, she's got this stupid blank look on her face. Like that's supposed to be her trademark of some sort, of some kind. And she's also a blatant racist, if you haven't figured it out by now. Janelle Monet going out on tour. She, along with Live Nation, are advertising the fact that you can apply to do a photo shoot of one of her tour dates. Here's the qualification, though. Yeah. In order to apply to, to photo shoot said tour date, you have to be either a black woman or a, a person who is non-binary. So basically, she's saying, I'm a racist. If you're white and you're heterosexual, you're not wanted here. Bye bye Isn't that illegal? Doesn't that go against labor laws? Where you exclude certain people by race? Yeah. Or sexual orientation? But Janelle Monet gets to get away with it for some reason. And Live Nation, of course constantly stupid as they are, are well, backing her up on this. There you go. Complete stupidity. All in the name asinine. of inclusivity. In this other words, exclusive, it's called racism. But... It's called heterophobia is what it's called. Again, this stupid ass country it's tries so to fight racism up. with racism. It makes no sense. You try to fight hatred with hatred. It's pathetic. And I think it's a perfect example of people being dumbasses. Now, if you haven't heard, Bradley Cooper, noted Hollywood actor, big time Hollywood actor, did a little prestige project here recently where he played the great composer Leonard Bernstein. Yep. And of course, when you're playing a character like this, you makeup and makeup, makeup and prosthetics to make you look like the person you're portraying. 
It's been done from the dawn of cinema, from the dawn of vaudeville, from stage plays to anything. But of course, the makeup artist for Bernstein is getting backlash because they're saying Bradley Cooper has a prosthetic, quote-unquote, Junos. Does it not look like Bernstein's nose? It's another example of people with nothing better to do, sitting in their mother's basement, causing problems. Just shut the F up and let things go. Stop causing problems where there are none. Because last time I checked, Leonard Bernstein, probably Jewish. And if you look at photos of them side by side, they did a damn good job recreating his nose. Again, find something else productive to do with your life. Stop being a troll. You're a dumbass. All of you out there. Social media, the downfall of this world. But podcasting is not. No. Because without podcasting, you wouldn't have us. Who will right all these wrongs? Who will set the record straight? Who will call out the dumbasses? In addition to bad movies, bad music, bad books, bad TV shows. We will let you know who to stay away from, who not to listen to, what not to watch. That's our public service to you. He's the conquistador, Dave Height. He's the maestro, Kevin Crane. We hope you enjoyed the weekend edition as much as we did. And we'll nurse you through your next hangover. With Smashing Pumpkins Live, we will review the new Rolling Stone song. I will finally get around to watching Sisu. And we'll figure out what else we can come up with for you. Yeah, more Tacoma FD, of course, our weekly and update we'll, and on we'll that. And we'll see if we can give you the final review of Justified City Primeval. We will try to get there, if not this week, at least the week after. Gotta be the week after at the latest. So, for Dave. For Kev. Again, have a great, safe weekend. We'll be rocking out to the pumpkins, and we will talk to you in seven days as you endure your next hangover. See you, kids.